Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Hungry, hungry humans. How many of you have a, that Hungry, Hungry Hippos song going on in your hand right? Hungry, hungry hippos. Just the, the power of association. How many of you uh, get frustrated with your hunger at times? How many your hunger causes you to say and do things you should not do or say? <laughs> hunger, we all have it. We all fight it. We all, we all will have it forever. It's, hunger is a driving force in humanity, and it's, a, it's the one thing that every single one of us is going to have to learn how to manage, and yet, at the same time, we will fail to manage correctly throughout our lifetime. But it, it still doesn't, just because we fail to, to uh, manage it correctly this time, that doesn't mean we should give up on trying to learn to manage it correctly for next time. And uh, hunger is not good. It's not bad. It's what we do with that hunger that, that really determines the outcome. And it's not just hunger for food. It's, it's our hunger for companionship. It's our hunger for significance. It's our hunger... Uh, sometimes it's a hunger for success or hunger for peace or f- for fulfillment or for justice. Hunger is a driving force in our lives, and it's supposed to be a driving force in our lives. What do you hunger for? What is your hunger for? I, I typically hunger for like a good burger. And I, and I hate to admit this, fries. A good burger, some, some good bacon? Maybe some double smoked bacon on top of that burger and some cheese. I know. And, and so that, that hunger, it's just kind of like an underlying hunger that just kind of exists all the time. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of work to train your body to hunger for salad, isn't it? Solomon said it very well. He said, hunger is a good thing if it drives someone to work. Hunger is a good thing if it drives you to work. And that's what, it's learning to channel the hunger in our lives to, to, to learn to push us or to, to cause us to work for good things, not just in our life, but in the church, in our relationships, in our family. It's, it's allowing that hunger to lead us to something better. And uh, today I want to talk about hungry, hungry humans addressing the emptiness, addressing the emptiness. You know, all of us have deep desires in our lives that we long for these desires to be filled. We, we, they, they become, literally, they become the underlying motivations or that kind of the unspoken, sometimes unspoken, sometimes spoken very loudly, the, the, the drive in our lives that we want to see filled. And the, the world is more than willing to sell us something that they say will meet, you know, th- that will meet that need. Or, or we say the consumer world is, it's, it tries to meet that need through consuming. Whether it's that new outfit. You know, if, you just, if I just get this new outfit, this outfit, somehow that's going to satisfy a need in my heart. 
It won't, by the way. But it's, it's, all, it's this, if I just get, if, you know, if I just have, if I just look a certain way, or if my body just looks a certain way, or if I just have a certain job, or if I just have, you know, this certain item, you know, fill in the blank. And it te- we've, we've been taught that something will fill something that's empty inside us. And this isn't a new problem. You know, listen to what the writer uh, Isaiah said to the nation of Israel. And this was almost, thir- almost 3,000 years ago that this was written. He said this, I don't understand why you spend your money for things that don't nourish or work so hard, work so hard for what leaves you empty. It's, I love how the Bible's really quite timeless when it comes to many of the things of the human heart. I don't understand why you spend your money for things that don't nourish or work so hard for that which leaves you empty. Let me ask you, where do you go when you feel empty? Where do you go when you want nourishment of your soul? Where do you go when you want nourishment of your heart? Yet so often we find ourselves thinking something convenient will satisfy that need. Something easy or, or we default to something easy to satisfy a deeper hunger. And why do we do that? Well, because it, do, it works. Because it works. It, if we go to something, we go to a quick fix, it works for a short period of time. It works temporarily. And that quick fix may look different. It, it, that quick fix may be that new and exciting relationship, which is easier than working out the problems in existing relationships. It might be purchasing that new item or that new outfit, or maybe it's that sports car or that new toy that's easier than addressing the deeper needs of our inner life. Or maybe it's the, the quick fix of jumping on the adrenaline rush by joining the latest public outrage or confronting someone's... <laughs> Someone was laughing really. Is that you, Melissa? Yeah, Melissa was laughing very loud. Thank you, Melissa. I actually have a nickname for Melissa, and it's she who makes me smile. Because she makes me smile. But, you know, it's it's easier to, to get the adrenaline rush of joining the latest social outrage than it actually is to make the commitment to enter into relationship and be a part of solving a societal problem. And so, why do we jump onto the quick fixes? Well, because they work quickly, but they don't work in a lasting way. Just like a bag of chips and a chocolate bar will satisfy your need for hunger. It will. You, you will feel full, but you won't feel good. You won't feel good. It, won't, it, it, will, it will fill something up, but it won't fill you in a way that will leave you nourished. It will leave you, personally, it will leave me feeling sick afterwards. But at, in the moment, it meets a temporary need. It's a temporary fix, but it doesn't solve a problem. The way we fill our hunger, it either leaves us nourished and stronger, or it leaves us lethargic and weakened. 
So the way that we're, we're filling these, the, the, the hungers in our soul, it's either making us stronger or it's weakening us in the long run. And the, the unintended of trying, what are the unintended consequences of trying to fill a hunger just in our body with a temporary or, or with an unhealthy fix? Well, just using our body as an example, when, when we don't eat healthy, we, unhealthy food actually disrupts our hormonal systems. It actually, it disrupts a lot more than that, but it, uh, it, can, it can actually be responsible for fueling depressive states in, a, in our lives. When we eat poorly, our immune system ends up compromised and weakened. weakened. Our lo- the long-term damage of going to the quick fix solution for food can be metabolic dysfunction. It could be high blood pressure, depression, brain fog, type 2 diabetes, chronic illness, chronic inflammation. That goes anywhere from our allergies to arthritis to Alzheimer's, Crohn's, and cancer. Many of these things are all related to what we eat. This is the result of filling our body's hunger with the wrong things. And this is just our body. This isn't talking about our soul. In the book, uh, Dr. Robert Lustig in his book, uh, Metabolically, writes that 50 years ago, 80% of people went to the doctor for acute problems and 20% of people went because of chronic issues in their body. Today, in our current world, that has reversed. Now, 80% of people are going for chronic problems, and only 20% are going for acute issues. And acute, just so you know the difference, acute is like you cut your arm off, that's an acute problem. <laughs> like, it's something, right, it's a, it's a rather significant problem, but an acute issue is something, it's like you just hurt yourself, you need help right now. Chronic is more of the, I don't really know what's wrong, I just know I'm not working properly. And so we've seen this reverse. And uh, for the first time in the last four years, the life expectancy, or for every year for the last four years, for the first time really in modern history, is that the life expectancy of North Americans is actually dropping as a whole. The, the, The quality and the quality of our years, it's actually dropping with it. Like, we're, we're not getting better years at the end. It's, it's actually turning into worse years at the end because of these chronic illnesses. And these, we call them diseases, but it's not really accurate to call them diseases because you can't catch them. You can't pass them on to the person next to you. They're conditions. And they're conditions that are created by the way we eat. They're created. More accurately, they're conditions that are created by the way that we have chosen to feed our hunger or to satisfy our hunger. And so this is just in our body. Here's the thing. Healthy eating isn't pleasing at first. Healthy eating is more work than unhealthy eating. It got so quiet in here (laughs) in this profound moment of time. And the reason is because it doesn't offer the same immediate stimulus and satisfaction to your brain as sugar and snacks 
and refined carbohydrates. And then if you read the other ingredients that are you know, on, your, on the packages you buy, some of those ingredients are actually specifically put there to create a certain neurochemical reaction in your brain to reward you for making a poor choice. That's why it's like you're, you know, di-fi-sodium glycinoxnovate, and you, re like, it's like, what is that? That is a strategy, is what that is. <laughs> that is a marketing ploy to get you hooked on that product, is what it is. Although it's hard to top white sugar. It just is the most addictive of all. And, you know, to... When you choose to satisfy that hunger, and this isn't a diet lesson, this, this actually it has a spiritual point later, but when you choose to continually go to, because that quick fix is rewarding. The chocolate bar actually is rewarding immediately, but long-term, it's creating damage. Now, when we continually choose, choose that, it, or when we, when we choose to eat, when we choose to change the way we eat, our brain doesn't reward us for it right away. Like you won't, you, if you choose to eat great today, it, that, that choice to fill that hunger differently, won't, you won't wake up to the sound of angels singing in the morning. And there's, you know, there's many things in life that, that doing what is easiest won't turn out the best. And doing what's best won't always be the easiest. But what happens long-term in our souls, in our spirit, when we try and fill our, em our emptiness with quick fixes? What does, what does chronic inflammation of the soul look like? What does chronic... Uh, what, what does type 2 diabetes of the heart and the spirit look like? What's the long-term effect of choosing to satisfy my hunger with whatever I'm craving in the moment? What's, what's the long-term effect on my heart going to be? If instead of maybe spending some time in relationship, decide to just, you know, I'm just going to let Netflix soothe my heart tonight. What's the long-term effect on our heart going to be? If we choose that outrage or we choose that unhealthy relationship, what, how, how is it going to affect our heart the way we choose to satisfy those hungers in our lives? And sure, it might be more satisfying right now, but what, what, what is the price that we have to pay later for choosing what was easy right now? This is, this is like to... To really sum this up, this is kind of the heartbeat of consumer culture. And it's really, this is the water in which we swim in North America. We live in the heart. We live in the originators and the perfectors of, of consumer culture as a society. And so we're taught, do what makes you happy. Do what you want to do. You do you. We are taught that we have the right to gratification, but we're never taught the power of denial. We're not taught the value of denial. 
We're, we're, we're taught, do what feels good because that's what you deserve. You deserve a break today. But we're not taught how to do what will leave us stronger tomorrow. Or we're not taught that sometimes what will make you feel good tomorrow is actually what will be harder to do today. We're taught we deserve to live comfortable lives where we get to enjoy our middle-class dream. But we're ignoring the fact that demographically the most miserable people in the world are middle-class Western men. Do you feel enlightened this morning? We're being sold a bill of goods that doesn't, that doesn't show up when we need it the most. Consumer culture is the belief that contentment is found in accumulation and experiences. It's the worship of comfort and entertainment and the avoidance of difficulty. It's where we go to fill the emptiness. We try and fill it with something. And when a situation or someone makes something difficult or leads us to failure, we, we tend to see that situation or that person as the enemy. Or we come to the conclusion that God has failed us because things got difficulty. When the truth of scripture is, is that Jesus didn't even pull any punches on this. He said, you will have tribulation in this world. It will be difficult. There will be times. It will be hard. But we also have promises that go with that, that all things work for the good of those who love Christ. Great book called Reappearing Church is written by an author uh, from Australia. His name's Mark Clark, and he, he's, he talks about consumer culture, and he says this, Consumer culture creates in us a mentality of toxic entitlement, the sense that we can have it all but without struggle or cost. This mentality of entitlement eventually will infect our faith. As John Townsend warns, it directs us to judge God for how... The, for how the world works, for all the, for the bad things that happened to us that we don't understand, and for things that didn't happen that we desired. The Christian caught in consumer, sorry, the Christian caught in consumer Christianity shifts blame for their lack of growth to God, their leaders, the church, their friends, their spouse, their family, insulating themselves against renewal of the heart. We fool ourselves that someone else will solve the problem of our lack of discipleship. We begin to believe it's better to sit on the couch and throw critique without consequence at those who are trying to achieve while simultaneously experiencing jealousy for those who seemed to have reached success. Some pretty hard words in there, isn't there? We are led to consume, but what actually we need to learn is how to contend. We've been taught to consume, but what we need to learn is how to contend. We need to learn how to contend for our families. We need to learn how to contend for our health. We need to learn how to contend for our communities. We need to learn how to contend for our marriages, our friendships, our souls, and our spirits. 
Isaiah said in here, Isaiah 55, it says, I don't understand why you spend your money for things that don't nourish or work so hard for that which leaves you empty. He's saying, I don't understand why you contend for this. Why are you contending for things that leave you empty? And then it goes on to say, attend to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest, most delectable of things. Listen closely and come even closer. My words will give life, for I will make a covenant with you that cannot be broken, a promise of my enduring presence and support like I gave to David. Isaiah is saying here, he's stating that there is a direct relationship with the, with the strength of God's word working in our lives and with what we're consuming. There's a, this direct relationship between what we consume and, and how we are allowing God's word to work in our, heart, in our hearts. This is what Jesus said, Mark chapter 4. He said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires, of, the, the, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So, uh, that phrase, the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness, it, it's, the, it's not... It's not that he said that wealth is bad. He said wealth is deceitful. It tells you it will fix things in your life that it actually doesn't have the power to fix. That, that it will make things in your heart good, but it won't make things in your heart good. It won't fix your heart. And the, the desires for other Things and those, I think, you know, that other things. That's not just that's not just things that you purchase. I think actually that's other things that things that just distract us. We must make the choice to contend with our with our hunger, and also we also have to learn how to change what we're feeding on. And like our natural diet, it doesn't change without taking deliberate steps to change it. Contending, learning to contend is choosing to step into the hard places with God and then stay close to him in those times, listening closely and coming even closer. Contending is choosing to find delight in transformation rather than delight in consumption. Contending is choosing to have our character built rather than our comforts met. Contending builds lasting stability in our lives. Consumerism is about the externals, but contending is about the renewal of our heart. Consuming is about getting our, our external needs met, but contending is about having our hearts changed in the process. Contending believes that strength begins in hidden places. Often places that are driven by prayer, self-examination, communion with God, fasting, habits of secrecy, confession and the uprooting of sinful patterns in our lives. Contending is work. And it's a lot easier to stand up and just say, hey, it's all going to be great. You're going to be blessed. Have a great week. But the best life is a life where we contend for it. And so how do, we, how, do we, 
how do we do this? Well, I think this is where the spiritual practice of simplicity is so important. And it's simplicity to direct our hunger. And this is, this is Luke chapter 12. Jesus, Jesus said this, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in, abund- in an abundance of possessions. What was he talking about here? He's talking about simplicity. He's talking about watch, watch that you don't start to believe that your life is about what you have. That your life is about what you accumulate. And there's some great, you know, just, just even some practical tips when it comes to what, like, what we put our, our finance into. Here, here's some practical tips. These are, these are ones that I've just learned myself. And it's before I buy something, this is, these are the questions I ask. What, what is the unseen time commitment of this purchase? What is the unseen time commitment of this purchase? Because everything you have takes time. Every, like, if you, if you buy a toy, a toy takes time. You know, one of the things that, that, that uh, we, that, well, one of the things I've always thought, I'd really like to have a lake at the, or, or a, you know, a property at a lake, like a cabin or, or, but then you start thinking, but then you got to mow the grass in two places. And you need to, like, like everything, it's not that that thing is bad, but you have to realize there's a cost. Everything you get takes a part of your life with it. So what's the unseen time commitment? It's easy to make a purchase that actually ends up costing many hours of your life. If you're financing it, does it mean you'll have to give up time with your friends or your family or with God in order to pay or, or to work those extra hours to pay for what you just the commitment you just got into. There's nothing more tragic than the person who buys an expensive RV only to have it sit in storage 51 and a half weeks a year because they can't afford to take the time off of work to go use the RV. Wouldn't a tent be better <laughs> that you could use? Now, if you could, let, don't say, I'm not anti-RV. What I'm saying is, is that if it, ruins the other 51 and a half weeks a year. It's the trade-off. Here's another great question. Am I trying to meet a, am I trying to meet a problem that will be solved by contending with consuming? Am I trying to meet a need in my life by consuming something where I need to be contending for something? In my life. See, hunger's not going to go away. It's not supposed to go away. What hunger is supposed to do is to drive me to that which brings nourishment to my body and my soul. Simplicity. You have to excuse me for a moment while I skip down in my notes because I'm long winded. You know, when, we, when it comes to simplicity of just food, when you, and I would actually encourage everyone to do this, whether you're watching online or, or in person, I would actually encourage, try doing a simplicity of food. And basically that means you eat real food. That means it doesn't come in a box that has ingredients listed. You're actually buying the ingredient and eating it. So it's like, you're not buying a can of chicken, you're buying a chicken. Now, it can be butchered already if, if you choose, but, but that can be fun too. 
But what you'll discover that when you do that, it's actually more work because you have to do a thing called cutting and chopping and preparing and cooking. But what you'll discover is you, you'll, you actually discover when you eat that way, you feel better. But you won't feel better right away. Simplicity of eating. You know, eat the food that's, that is the ingredient. And, and, you know, if you're really wanting to, to alter your, your food world, give up processed food. Nothing in a box, nothing packaged. Just try it. You won't regret it. Now, at first, you, it's not rewarding. But after a while, your body adjusts, and then you wonder why you didn't do it sooner. You know, our spirits work the same way. If you were used to a diet of easy fixes, of entertainment, of scrolling through Facebook or just scrolling through the latest social media or, or just kind of zoning out into Netflix land and, and that's kind of your go-to all the time for filling the emptiness, for, for satisfying your longings. When I tell you to go to prayer or to go to the Word of God or to, or to, to start, you know, pick up a book and start, start learning, I, will, I promise you, it will not be satisfying at, for, at first. It will be hard at first. Just like eating good food after you're used to going to McDonald's every day is hard to do. But I promise you, it will reward you later. You'll find things in your heart start getting dealt with. We live, we live in a day and age where we're, we're not taught how to fix our heart. We're not taught how to strengthen our soul. We're taught, put a Band-Aid on it, take a pill for it, but we're not taught how to transform it. But like Isaiah said, as soon as I scroll back and see what Isaiah said, he said, attend to me and eat what's good. Enjoy the richest, most delectable of things. My words will give you life. And there is a life to be discovered that comes from getting our hunger filled from the one who can actually fill that hunger. Let's stand to our feet. And Father, I just pray for all of us here, whether we're in person or we're watching online right now. Father, I pray that we would, I pray that we would learn how to fill the emptiness that's in our lives with, with you, with the things that you've given us to, f to fill that emptiness, the things that you've given to fill those voids in our lives that, that, that the world would tell us that we can consume something or we can, we can band-aid something over that, that, that area of our life. But Father, I pray you would teach us how to, to contend for real life. You would teach us how to contend for real faith. You would teach us how to contend for the relationships in our lives and contend for the purpose in our lives. And Father, I pray you would just even reveal to us this week as we go from here or as we continue on with our day 
that you would reveal to us the ways in which we have looked to things to satisfy something that only you can satisfy. Where we've looked for something to numb the pain rather than looking to you to transform our hearts. Father, help us to help us to see and understand the purpose of these hungers in our lives so that we can respond to that hunger in a way that leads us closer to you, that leads us closer to others, causes us to live in healthy community, healthy relationship, and and draws us into your purpose. Thank you, Father. I want to pray another prayer, and it's a prayer. Maybe you're here today or you're watching right now, and you've, you've never said yes to God's purpose or never said yes to his plan for your life. And I'm going to pray a prayer right now. That's, it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus, a yes prayer saying yes to following him. And if you want to be included in that prayer, whether you're here or whether you're watching right now, you can just pray along with me. Let's pray together. Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow your purpose. I want to follow your ways for my life. Would you lead me now? Teach me how to follow you and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.